Speedway, Indiana, W286CM. Available in HD. Broadcasting from the 99%Approved.com studio. Go drop this. It's the moment y'all been waiting for. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. Open lines with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Starts now on the new hot 100.9 Indy's Hip Hop Station. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, coming to you live on a Sunday morning, March 26, 2023, live on 106.7 WTLC and the new hot 100.9. On the show today, we're going to talk a bit about education. And really, the whole premise of today's show is to find out if you, the listener, the voter, the student, the parent, the citizen, cares about what is happening. I'm going to throw out some facts and information because particularly on this charter school stuff, it has gotten confusing. A lot of things are getting conflated. And now you're about to start hearing some about vouchers. And I'm going to tell you what that means and what it doesn't mean. There are some efforts that probably are intentionally confusing people, other efforts that are accidentally confusing people because it is confusing. So we're going to talk about how this really affects every student and family in Indianapolis, but it starts at Indianapolis Public Schools. Now, I'm going to start this with letting you know that I did reach out to try and get uh, Dr. Alicia Johnson on the show. She wasn't available today, uh, but we do plan to get her on sometime next month in April because a lot of this, uh, we want to hear from her because just this week there was new breaking news that IPS has decided that they are not going to move forward with the second referendum. One, the first referendum is a capital referendum that allows them to construct buildings, you know, do physical things. But they also needed an operations referendum, and that's what they operate off of, hence the name. So teacher salary, the day-to-day cost comes out of the operating budget. And this week, IPS has decided they are not going to ask voters for an operating budget, that is the referendum that the charter schools wanted a uh, a piece of that pie of, and they could not come in a, come into an agreement on how much money, if any, the charter schools uh, would get. And so, because of that, IPS is saying we are still going to move forward with our uh, rebuilding stronger plan, but we're going to do it for now without asking the public for additional money. So at some point. IPS will have to come back around and ask for a tax rate increase to pay for what they need at the school district, but they're not going to do it right now because they could not agree on money that they would give to the charter schools. Now, remember, uh, this all started a couple months ago. The law says that a school district can, it may, it does not have to give share money with the charter schools in its district. IPS is very interesting because it has charter schools that it does do direct business with, that they have contracts with, that are part of their innovation network. 
And then there are other charter schools that could just be random that are physically within the district but actually have no ties, no partnership, no contract, does nothing for the IPS school district. Those folks, in this case, we will call them independent charters, said, hey, we got IPS's kids because we're in IPS's district, so we too should get that money. Now, Superintendent Alicia Johnson said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can talk about increasing the money that we give to the innovation schools that we have a contract with. We can talk about that. They already get some money, but we can look at ways to get them some money. But these other folks who have no literal business with the school district, you expect us to give them some money? That doesn't make any sense. So that's really what the holdup had been uh, this spring with getting this referendum. So IPS decided, well, look, we're just not going to move forward with this referendum asking for more money for operations because we don't have a, a plan or an agreement, I should say. They have a plan um, on how to give this money to charter schools. So that's one big thing that happened this week. IPS is going to move forward with the Rebuilding Stronger Plan. Uh, and at some point, they'll come back around for asking for a referendum. Um, they still have a referendum on the ballot that'll be on May 2nd. Uh, and that will be for uh, capital improvements. Um, again, that's construction of buildings, physical things that you can't pay for the the day-to-day business with. They are still asking for that. We'll see if that passes. I think there's going to be a lot of confusion, um, which is why um, we want Alicia Johnson to come on and uh, let us know where she stands because there's a lot uh, to this, um, and we'll talk about some of that in just a moment. That's just one of the stories that happened this week. Another story that happened this week was Eugene White going back into education. Well, he never left education. I should say going back into high school, local, traditional education. You might remember Eugene White as the superintendent of IPS. He was there from 2005 to 2013. And a lot of folks would uh, equate him to a Joe Clark from Lean On Me, meaning some people love him and some people hate him. You also might remember him as the superintendent of Washington Township Schools, where he was before uh, IPS. And then before that, you might remember him as the actual principal of North Central High School there in Washington Township. Well, this week, he was welcomed back to Washington Township Schools at North Central, where for now, he is the interim principal of the school. Now, North Central has let their uh, regular principal, if you will, go. Uh, due to a number of controversies, including uh, some sexual abuse of students and maybe the way that was handled. And then there's also been another situation un, um, that is not connected to the sexual abuse, but some other issues that have happened uh, with that principal's handling of things. And so with that said, that principal is out. Uh, they've also got a lawsuit on that sexual abuse thing that was just settled, um, giving those families uh, several thousand, several tens of thousands of dollars. And again, the previous principal was in charge during those things. Now, the principal had not been accused of any wrongdoing himself. It was a it was a teacher of the drama club and the theater. The issue has been the way the principal 
handled that and another recent issue that we don't have much of the details about. Nevertheless, Eugene White back on the scene. And if you've been online, uh, you've seen, you know, just all the, the, the plethora of comments about, I love this. Kids, you better watch out or no more school days. You guys can forget that virtual stuff. Uh, Eugene White's about to whip that school into shape. Uh, to people who are saying, hey, worst person ever, hated him. And so uh, a lot of it is interesting because a lot of the posts were people who were saying, I hated this guy back in when I was in school. And I grew up to have an appreciation uh, for what he did. So that is very Joe Clark sounding. Now, don't get me wrong. Eugene White is, is no uh, absolute perfect person, but he is respected and he knows what he's doing. Uh, and he's uh, been brought back because of that. And so that is the latest and Washington Township. But it's interesting that these two stories that I just told you about are actually connected. I spent some time this week, kind of fell into a rabbit hole, uh, just trying to understand the state budget that's coming up, this charter school business. And it actually brought me back to Eugene White, who left IPS in 2013 because he was pushed out by the incoming school board, the election uh, year that reelected Barack Obama to a second uh, term as president, also kicked out, inadvertently, Eugene White as the superintendent of IPS because that was when we first started seeing um, the pro-charter school board members get a seat, get multiple seats, on IPS's school board, and they wanted to bring in more charter schools. Eugene White is a traditional guy. I just told you, he's Joe Clark. Let's just think of him as Joe Clark. Picture in the movie Lean on Me, a charter school company wanting to come in and take over uh, Joe Clark's school. He would not be having that. So let's just leave that right there and let that make sense. And so because of that, they got rid of Indy's own Joe Clark. He went on to go do some other things. Currently, he's been appointed to the library board, by the way. Whole nother story. I know there's some big expectations for him on that. So here's what we get into. Do you remember and do you care and do you understand as this new budget maybe comes through and as new referendums come up? So the question of the morning is, do you care? You know, we talk a lot about on on this show and the other talk shows about charter schools pushing their way in to take over. And they're stealing our stuff. They're taking our schools. We need a moratorium on these charter schools. We don't need any more charter schools because they're just coming in here taking stuff. And it's wrong. Well, did you know that that was the plan? Do you remember a guy named Louis Farabee? He was the superintendent of IPS after Eugene White took over. He came on the scene in 2013. He was the superintendent before Alicia Johnson came on the scene in 2019. So Louis Farabee, he's no longer here. He moved on to D.C. He stayed at IPS until 2018. The charter schools took off under Louis Farabee. A such thing called an innovation school was created by Louis Farabee and then Mayor Greg Ballard came up with a deal and took it to the state. 
So charter schools, let me start here, were invited to come to IPS. They were invited to create such deals. Let me take a sip of coffee. They were invited in to create partnerships. Now, an innovation charter school, I've said here many times, what are all these different names? You got magnet schools and charter schools and a private school and an innovation school. What's the difference? Well, I went into a bit of a rabbit hole to find out what the differences were to share them with you because the stuff is actually confusing. So an innovation charter school used to only apply at IPS. It was something literally created by IPS, by Lewis Farabee, who embraced, that's why he was brought in, embraced charter schools with open arms. Of the charter schools, um, what Farabee did was instead of fighting the charter schools and seeing them as a competitor like Eugene White did, Lewis Farabee saw them as partners. And so what Lewis Farabee did was he went to the state, well, he and Greg Ballard went to the state and said, hey, can we create um, a, a, a contract? You know, if I've got, if I got schools that are struggling, why can't I bring in a Phelan Leadership Academy? Or why can't I bring in the Mind Trust to run three or four schools? Why can't we? So they went to the state and they went to lawmakers to create something called Innovation Schools, an innovation network, which literally is just a contract with a charter school to come in and they could either take the building and run it on their own or they could kind of do a 50-50, like well, I'm going to do some stuff, you do some stuff, but we're going to make a deal. We're going to be partners. I'm going to welcome you in and let you do your thing. We're going to do it together. So some IPS schools were restarted with new operators and they became uh, pretty much charter school. They, they no, excuse me, they are charter schools, became charter schools that have a contract with IPS. In some cases, it, it may be, hey, we're going to use your building. But the deal is IPS is still going to give them money and IPS can still count those students a part of their enrollment so that when they get money from the state, it goes to IPS. IPS can share that money with its innovation charter school because why? They have a deal. They have a contract. That's the deal. Now, some of those schools, um, you know, some of that deal is, hey, we'll, we'll be able to use IPS transportation, you know, different things or some things we'll do on our own. Uh, now, there were some independent charter schools that jumped in and decided to become a uh, an innovation school. They wanted to be a better partner with the district. So all forms of innovation schools have some autonomy that are found in charter schools. They pretty much run themselves. They're their own thing. But again, they have a partnership that they were invited to, that they were welcomed by the school. So they didn't take anything. Lewis Farabee was very, 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 very pro-charter schools. He created the Innovation Network. So nobody took anything. He welcomed them in. He created the program. He went to the state to say, we want to do business with these charter schools. Okay? That is how we got to where we are 
right now. Now, there's been a whole back and forth because the difference now is that a traditional school, let's say any other IPS school or uh, Wayne Township's Ben Davis or Southport High or North Central or Warren or Carmel, those are all traditional schools, which are funded by taxes. They also get money per head by the state. So that's why at the beginning of the year, they always say it's important for your kid to make sure you're here on the day that we count the students because that's the day we send the our attendance to the state and the state says, oh, you have 2,000 students. Here's how much money you're going to get. And if your kid isn't there, your kid doesn't count. So they have to be there. That's how s- traditional schools are funded. Now, a charter school, whether it's independent or it's an innovation network, a charter school is funded by just that attendance. The state, they send their numbers into the state, and the state gives them a grant, basically, that is less than what the traditional uh, schools get. And I can't, I couldn't find the number of what the traditional schools are getting this year. But let's just make up a number. It's vastly different. Let's say it's $6,000 for every student. Charter schools get $1,400 for every student. Charter schools are run by nonprofits or in some cases for profits, but they have a nonprofit board. But charter schools are saying, whoa, why do we only get $1,400 and the traditional school gets $6,000? The issue is the charter schools cannot tax you. No, your uh They cannot ask you for a referendum to raise your taxes the same way IPS can or Pike Township can or Noblesville can. They don't have the authority to do that. So they're asking the the, the school district that they're in, hey, let us get a cut of that money. Although we have no agreement to do that, but we're here and we have students that used to go to your school. So we feel that we should get some of that money. And that's why Superintendent Alicia Johnson's like, whoa. That's not what we signed up to do. Now, one of the reasons I wanted her on and still do is so that I can find out how does Alicia Johnson feel about what's going on right now. I can tell she's been frustrated because she has said so. She wants her Rebuilding Stronger plan to come together. But remember when Alicia Johnson came on the scene, she was not uh, a nobody. Alicia Johnson, under Louis Farabee, was a deputy superintendent over innovation schools. So she also helped with the formation of charter school. She has a background in working at charter school. She worked at KIPP. Um, She's been around. She's not new to this. She has a uh, she has deep ties to um, charter schools. Much of her 15 years working in Indianapolis education were at charter schools at the former uh, the reform aligned Teach for America. Now, all this is in previous articles. I told you I went into a, a. rabbit hole about this stuff. Johnson's mother and grandmother were educators at traditional public schools, but she took a different route. After earning a master's degree in social work, she began teaching in New Jersey through Teach for America. In Indianapolis, she worked at both Teach for America and KIPP Indy, where she led the middle school for three years before joining Indianapolis public schools. So Alicia Johnson has a connection. Much of her career is with charter schools, and it seems to me, this is why I want her here to answer these questions, that they're also the ones that are now giving IPS the problem. So I so the reason I've invited her on is to explain, is there a problem? IPS brought in these charter schools, invited them, literally created them. And now that flower has blossomed. 
into a full bouquet of charter schools all across um, the state. The majority of them are in Indianapolis. Some of them are in, you know, all the major cities have, you know, Evansville has some, uh, Gary, South Bend, Richmond, Lafayette, Muncie, Bloomington, Terre Haute, you know, and I'm talking one or two schools, a handful, whereas there's like 60 or so in Indianapolis, with the majority of them being in Marion County. So as we continue to go through this, I want to know, do you care? Because there is a vote coming up on this and folks get riled up on it. And if you go back through the history, you know, we I, I could I wish I could play some tape of you guys calling in saying, hey, why is IPS doing this? And these charter schools just coming in, taking our stuff, stuff we paid for. Now, the plan was to give it to them. In fact, IPS wanted Louis Farabee's own words was he wanted to create more autonomous schools. He wanted to give schools more autonomy so that at the uh, administration building uh, here in downtown Indy could be smaller, could have less staff because the schools would run themselves. They would either all be innovation schools or they would be fully controlled schools by IPS, but they would be autonomous where the principal gets to control more of the budget and the curriculum. Like it would be basically its own charter school that is run by IPS, or you would have innovation schools with IPS students that are um, run by a charter school. That was the plan. I know a lot of people call in and talk about, oh, they just want to give all the schools away. And it sounds like hyperbole. It sounds like just something people are making up. No, that was actually the plan under Lewis Farabee. So the reason why I want Alicia Johnson to come in is to explain, well, where are we now? Because that was the plan. Is that still the plan? I don't know. I'm not telling you it is or it isn't. I'm just not sure. Uh, because there definitely has been some back and forth. You know, you've got charter schools. And then you've got this voucher thing. I'm getting ready to go to the phones here in a minute because the phones are ringing. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. The question is, do you care? Now, you're about to start hearing stuff about vouchers. Vouchers have nothing to do with IPS or charter schools or township schools or public schools or traditional schools. Vouchers are about private schools. Well, isn't a private school a charter school? No. A private school is not a charter school. A private school is a place where you have to pay tuition for. A private school is a place that um, you have to have admission. They can tell you no, you can't come to this school. A school like that would be Cathedral, Ron Colley, Park Tudor, um, uh, Brebuff. I could see it in my head. I couldn't think of the name. Schools like that, tr tr pretty much schools that have some religious component, those are private schools. And so what the state, some of your Republican state lawmakers want to do, is, you know, those schools are expensive, cost thousands of dollars. There's admission to go there just like college. And so what this quote unquote school choice thing, that word gets bounced around a lot, too. But in Indiana law, school choice is about giving scholarships right now. Listen to what I'm saying. Right now, the law is about giving scholarships to low-income families to go to private schools. So let's say I live across from Cathedral. 
and maybe I don't have to, you don't have to be Catholic to go there. You got to follow their rules though. But let's say I live across from Cathedral, and Dagnabbit, I want my kid to go there, but I only make thirty thousand dollars, thirty five thousand dollars a year. Well, you can apply for a voucher, which would help, which would give you the money from the state to send your kid, who otherwise would go to a, a regular traditional school or a charter school, whatever's in your neighborhood. It gives state money to you to give to the private school. Now, the issue with that is, okay, now you're making those private schools, you're giving our tax dollars that would have been going uh, under this new proposal. It would take some. It doesn't right now. It comes out of a different pot, technically. But with this new budget that's being proposed, it would take some money from traditional public schools and charter schools. Yeah, we're hitting everybody now. And also giving some of that same money to private schools. So what's the difference? Right now, private schools are getting these grants for vouchers, but it comes out of a different pot. This new reconfiguration would increase the state's education budget, but it's only increasing it to give some of that money, more of that money, to private schools. And I believe the calculations say that they they want to increase the size of the voucher which is the conflict right now. Not only do they want to take money out of what would be a newly created pot with all schools in it, right now it's divided up into traditional charter and private schools. They want to put it all in one pot and then give charter schools a bigger chunk of that change up to the point to where a family of 100 who makes $154,000 could apply for that voucher. So no longer would this be a thing about Uh, Poor families, low-income families, uh, sending their kids to the rich private schools because we want to be able to give them. It's a good education. You live right across the street from the school. Sure, whatever. This is now increasing it. And then remember, these schools, you know, you've got these Catholic schools or whatever, who they do not have to follow the same rules as charter schools and traditional schools. And so people are saying, well, they don't have school boards. They're not controlled uh, by the state. They don't have to follow the same rules. They can tell people no. They can turn people away. And now we're going to give them our tax dollars. I get you were doing it before. You were giving them a little something out of a grant, which technically is still tax dollars. But now this would literally be the money that's going to traditional schools right now. The proposal is to chop is to make a bigger pot. So they're going to say we increased the budget for education in Indiana. Technically, you did. It's like if I combined my checking account and my savings account, I created a new account and we have more money than we ever had before in our checking account. Well, yeah, but you just moved it to two pots. So that's what could potentially happen is create this new pot of money. So you're going to hear about vouchers. When you hear about vouchers, remember that has nothing to do with charter schools. That has to do with these private schools that can turn you away if you apply. You have to pay tuition to go. Those are private schools. Charter schools have to accept you. Now, we've gotten to a whole debate. I've heard callers say charter schools are not public schools. All right. Here's the legal definition. A charter school cannot turn a student away. A charter school cannot charge uh, admission. A charter school is put to many of the same, it's kind of on this part, it's the in-between. 
They've got to follow more rules than the private schools, but less rules than the traditional schools. They get a little leeway on things. Now, they do not have to have an elected school board. They do have to have a nonprofit board of directors. But they are they do receive state funding. The state funding that they get is only the attendance money where they count the students at the beginning of the year. That's the money that they get uh, from the state. What makes them public is that they technically do welcome everybody. The issue is they are publicly funded because they do get public funding. While it might not be much and they want more, they do get public funding. But you could say that they are not public schools because they are not publicly controlled, meaning you don't vote for the school board that runs them. IPS, Perry Township, Decatur Township, Greenwood, Brownsburg, Avon, those are public schools because the public controls the school board. The public votes in the school board who hires the superintendent who runs it. It's a state operation. That is a public school. A charter school, you have no involvement in. You cannot vote. Um, so whether or not it's a public school, it's publicly funded. It's not publicly controlled. People have a lot of problems with that. So now that I've gone through this whole uh, Rachel Maddow uh, backstory, on things. I want to know, do you care? Because I've invited uh, Superintendent Alicia Johnson on to come on to the show to clear up some things, to answer questions from people, to answer questions from me, and let us know where she stands. Is there a fight going on with the charter schools? Because again, Alicia Johnson was also a person who is very connected to charter schools. That's why she has the job she has, because the school board, remember that publicly controlled school board? So I will insert this real quick to say, a lot of folks are upset about what the school board is doing. The school board was voted in by you, the listener, the voter. So, charter schools may be fighting for more money. It may seem like charter schools are coming in and taking over, busting down doors, taking buildings. I want to remind you that you, the voter, voted for the school board members who took out Eugene White, who brought in Lewis Farabee, who then created the Charter School Innovation Network. So this all goes back to the voter. That's the difference between being publicly controlled and not publicly controlled. So while folks are upset, some of this lands on you, the listener. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to do all open lines and talk about this. I made a whole encyclopedia of uh, things about Indiana schools to explain if you still have questions. But you know, if nobody calls, which the phones have been ringing, so thank you, stay patient. I'm going to take a quick commercial break to pay some bills. Um, when we come back, I want to know, do you care? 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. I've explained the backstory, and I can't say the charter schools are taking anything. They're taking what's given to them, what was created for them, and a lot of people are upset, and there seems to be a roadblock right now. There's an impasse, I think. That's a question for Alicia Johnson. The question for you is, do you care about what's going on in the schools? If you don't, we won't, we won't talk about it again after this show. If we will, we'll keep talking about it. But based on the number of phone calls that have already come in that I haven't answered, that I'm waiting to take on the other side of this commercial break, people do care. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to pay some bills, and we'll talk about school after this. This is Open Lines. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Little. We're back after this. Open line. 
Headlines is Indy's favorite Sunday morning show. It's the show that brings you news about what's happening in Indy and around the world with Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. It's the show where Indy comes to talk. It's Open Lines with Cameron Riddle. All right, we're back on open lines. It's time to open the phone lines. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. Already getting some emails from uh, Tony Knight, one of our uh, listeners. And Tony, you already misunderstood what I'm saying. Um, we'll talk about that. There's a lot of things that people are conflating. And Tony, in your email, you just did it. Uh, you conflated terms. Um, so the question is, do people care? And maybe people do care since Tony's already emailed me. The phones are ringing. Uh, charter schools want more money. They want to have more money than they're getting right now. The question is, do you care? The private schools are open to get more money. They want uh, this voucher cash. question is, do you care? Now, this new budget, it all does basically come out of one newly created pot, and even the uh, leaders of the Republican Senate right now are saying, yeah, that does kind of take away from the traditional schools. And while we don't really have a problem with giving them money, we kind of have an issue with the size of the money that they are suddenly getting. So there is, when you talk about traditional schools are under attack, um, public schools are under attack. You know, you've heard people say that. Well, that's because there are a number of different sources that are fighting for that same pot of money that the traditional schools are fighting for. So the question is, do you care? Let's talk to you. I'm done talking. I talked for a half hour, giving you all the information. And I'll talk about what Tony is is uh, saying later if uh, if we have time, but he's already misunderstood uh, what I'm talking about with his email. So I'm saying that to you, Tony, in case you're listening and you can't get through. 317, but I will respond to your email. 317-239-1009. Let's start with caller on two. Good morning. Who's this? Good morning, Cameron. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Paul? Oh, I'm well. Greetings to everybody. And if you want to know if Paul cares, oh, yeah, Paul cares. Paul cares. And if you don't want me to, um, if you don't want me to come and pick you up for a bank robbery, then don't ask me to participate in something that's illegal. Secondly, I have spoken with the young lady that's in charge of the education for the state of Indiana, and they have no intentions on teaching critical race theories or anything else in the schools. I asked her about um, the history that's being taught uh, that's slightly shaded. It's a lot. Um, you know, so they, they don't have no intentions on on uh, improving our school system uh you have to ask yourself a question how can the governor have a surplus when all the things that need to be done that points to mismanagement and when we when you you had mentioned earlier about being uh complicated uh confused um that's because the people that are running the programs are confused you take to make one statement you have 35 pieces of paper explaining to you one thing. So that proves that they're wasteful. And as far as, like I said last week, in order for us to move forward, guys, we have to eliminate what causes the separation amongst us so that we can come together and teach our children properly so that we won't, I mean, think about it, guys, the people that's my age, I'm 63. Think about it. Every voting season, it's the same thing over and over again. We're not successfully uh, completing or accomplishing anything. Somebody needs to go to the table and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the time frame we're going to do it in. And that's the end of that. 
because if it's not obvious to you guys, it's obvious to me that the reason why they write all these complicated stuff is because them themselves are confused. This is a simple issue. We have simple issues, and they are simple solutions. And if the people are not prepared for simple solutions, then how do we move forward? I want us to move forward. I'm, I'm just sick and tired of the same thing year after year after year. Our children are our future. So that means that we need to invest in them and not invest in the in this government system that's obviously one-sided. So I, I hope you guys have a wonderful day today. And again, um, you know, don't don't ask me to participate in something that y'all think is legal that is not legal. And so again, I Paul cares. I Paul cares. And then I'm out here talking to these people that make these decisions and make these changes. So if you guys want to help me, then start talking to the people that make the decisions and make the changes. And if their changes don't correspond with you, then it's time for us to start writing in things so that it benefits not only just our community, but a community as a whole. All right. Thank you, Paul. You guys have a wonderful day. All right. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. So many calls we can uh, squeeze in here because phones are hot. 317-239-1009. Let's go to caller on three. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, how you doing, Brother Cameron? I'm good. You got about a minute. Hey, I was listening to what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the most thing is our people don't understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They go to these polls. They don't understand. We got folks who don't understand why, why they... Why they uh, passing the bill? I believe, I believe it's just like this: if you, if you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. That's right. Like Brother Paul says, some people they really don't understand. And I'm just like Brother Paul. Brother Paul, he 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 hit on something. You hit on something, and if you play that tape back, boy, I'm telling you, Rem Bell gonna be on the table if you play that tape back. Cause I know you be getting some lot of calls and people used to complain. And yeah, I hear them, but but you know, I I shake my head and I I said these people, some of these people don't understand. All right, Reverend Phillips, I got to stop you right there for time. Thank you so much. All right, thank you very much, Brother Cameron. All right, have a good day, 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. I'm going to try and keep you to one or two minutes to talk. I wanted to talk to you longer, but I talk too much. 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. Uh, when you hear somebody hang up, that's when you should dial. If you're hearing my voice through your phone, that means you're coming up next. If you're hearing a busy signal, that means keep trying. So when somebody hangs up, dial if you're trying to get in. That's kind of the secret. 317-239-1009. 317-239-1009. If you're hearing my voice through the phone, that means you're next. If you're hearing busy, keep trying. Let's go to caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, Cameron. You know it is a penalty. And here's the statute. It says private and normal schools. Superintendent not to conduct. No county superintendent shall conduct or assist in conducting any private or county normal school in this state or receive any emoluments or uh, for management of such. 
and the private and normal school penalties is, so it's a criminal offense, any person violating the provisions of this act shall be fined and the sum and a sum and shall be removed from office. And the private and normal schools duty of prosecutor, it shall be the duty of the prosecutor, prosecuting attorney to bring an action in the name of the state of Indiana in relations of himself against anyone violating the provisions of this act for the enforcement thereof and shall be recovered shall recover from the defendant, attorney fees in the action. So that means that he can prosecute that person, that superintendent who is promoting the charter or normal or innovation school. And, you know, I brought this up when therapy was doing it. They showed it to Prosecutor Kerry and have showed it to Prosecutor Mears. They blow it off like nothing's happened. But that's undermining our whole situation here in this state. And it's illegal. And, I mean, you look at the billboards. So let me stop town, you right uh, there. Let me stop you yeah, right there for time. You're yeah, saying. Okay, they're using our kids. They're, they're victims. All right. I'm gonna, hold on. Let me stop you. I understand what you're reading. I don't know where you're reading that from. Maybe that I'm was. I'm reading a, it from Burn Statues. Uh, uh, annotated uh, uh, Indiana. From what Indiana year is that? Statues. From, a lot, right here. What year is that from? This is uh, from uh, 67. Well, uh, you uh, need the new copy because in 2005, Indiana Governor Mike Pence signed a bill making it legal statewide for traditional public schools to make deals with charter schools and create their own so, innovation network. It is legal well, as sure of 2005. They did, sure they did, but why? But why, Cameron? Because the property tax cap, the uh, corporations are paying no money to uh, to maintain an operations of, of a common school system, mm -hmm. but you still, they didn't change our Constitution. They did not change uh, that that the funds that they collect Fifty-one percent of our taxes go from K, K to twelve education. What's happened now is they're introducing all kind of a gas tax and every other kind of gas tax, and this uh, P, this uh, PPE money for COVID that we got. They're using that to support these uh, right. bootleg schools. Stop and when right that there. runs out, the school runs out. So you know, you look at the billboards that are going up around I'm stop town. You, Larry. All Thank black you. kids praying uh, for second. Thank you, Larry. Got to stop him for time. All right. Larry's talking about that bill and how such such things might have been illegal back in 1967. Well, Governor Mike Pence signed House House Bill 1009 in 2005, which made it 100 percent totally legal for Indiana schools to partner with charter schools. So while Larry may have some points about how things are funded, uh, he continues to ask the prosecutor and these different people to prosecute superintendents for uh, doing deals with charter schools. It is legal. And it started with IPS. It used to be an IPS-only thing. Uh, and then Governor Pence expanded it to the entire state. House Bill 1009, signed in 2015. Look it up. 317-239-1009. That's the point. All of this is legal. It's not that anybody's taking anything. The right people were put into the right positions to make things legal for charter schools to do it. So it's hard to say that they're coming in and taking anything when the system was, a new system was created for them. The issue now is they want more money. 317-239-1009. Call their online too. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, how you doing? Hey, so I definitely believe that this is definitely a subject that needs to continue to be talked about because like you said earlier, we voted for these people in office and we need to educate ourselves further on what they're doing. And if we're on board with it, then we need to just close our mouths. But if we're not on board with it, we do need to speak up because we are the voter. We are the taxpayer. And I know that 
from just observation because I don't I don't uh, have kids in, in IPS school system mm-hmm. that there's a, a issue within IPS. Um, I know that I'm talking with other teachers and principals. Like there's little things like they're not teaching spelling anymore. They're not teaching grammar anymore. And I think those are subjects that need to be looked about. And so, yeah, I do think that you should keep this, this conversation going and this subject going and, and bring Dr. Johnson on the air and, and let her uh, speak on her side and, 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 and educate ourselves on what, 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 what's going on within IPS schools. Because from what I'm getting, it's, it's going down. It's going down fast. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. All right. All right, 317-239-1009, 317-239-1009. Real quick, I'm going to address the email that Tony uh, Knight had sent me. And you, Tony, real quick, you're talking about per-pupil education dollars. I'm not talking about per-pupil anything. I'm telling you that when they do the a, the ADM, the uh, annual, that's when they count all the kids. And they that's when they tell you they send that letter home to parents. Make sure your kids are at school tomorrow because we got to take attendance. That money, those numbers are sent to the state. The state for that, that's for attendance. I'm not talking about per pupil or any other calculations. I'm talking about one thing. Per, I'm talking about per head for attendance. For attendance. Traditional schools get more money. Charter schools get 1400 That's what the entire fight with IPS is about. Because charter schools can't tax. You would say, well, why don't you just raise the money? Well, they could do donations. But that's a lot of, that's a big gap to close. They can't tax you, so they've got to rely on other ways, partnerships. That's what the whole fight is about. So I responded to your email. That's literally what this is about. They're fighting about that traditional schools get more attendance money than charter schools. Charter schools get less attendance money. It's flat out. It's not a debate. The, the debate is should they get more. Thanks for your email. 317-239-1009. Caller on line three. Good morning. Who's this? Cameron? Yes. This is William Tate. You forced me to crawl from under my rock. <laughs> I am okay. a retired educator, Cameron. May I go on? You may go on. Okay. Thank you, Cameron. As you know, I uh, was the first to commend you for accepting the job with WTLC, and I'm so proud of you. And I warned you that you would be taking on an awesome job. And I'm very sorry about the previous callers using substandard English and not being able to make a coherent comment. Also, Cameron... Dr. Alicia Johnson should be greatly appreciated and welcomed. And uh, the next thing, Cameron, I want to say is we failed to talk about Dr. White's leadership at Martin University, who mm-hmm. happened to have been very effective in getting uh, achieving Martin's accreditation. So, Cameron, without delaying you any further, I want you to know that you and Tina are greatly appreciated and greatly loved in case you don't get callers that uh, know how to express themselves. We love you, Cameron. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. 317-239. And I love you guys back. 317-239-1009. And by the way, I can send you, if you want any of these, my glossary, I'll send it to you. I've got all the links and the state laws. I had time. And so I put it together. It's for my own um, for my own knowledge, but happy to share it with you. If you email it, email me, I'll email it back to you. Uh, 317-239-1009. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? Marie. Marie, you're live on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, yes, I had a question about, um, you said Decatur Central works. 
one of the ones that was um, part of the um, program. No, Decatur. Like Go ahead, finish your question. Okay, what I'd like to know is the question is that um, I went to Decatur Central in 79, mm -hmm. and I got busted out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I didn't know it was a part of the program IPS. No, and, no. Um, in short, no. Um, IP, uh, Decatur Central is a traditional, regular public school, nothing out of the ordinary about it. When you got bused to the school, where did you live back in the day? Um, I lived um, in the area of Broadway Methodist Church, off of 30th and Broadway. Okay. Uh, that was part of uh, desegregation. That was an IPS issue from the, uh, the, the 50s and the 60s um, with basically racism within IPS and um, when they merged the city into one big city, they didn't want the black kids. The township schools didn't want the black kids to come out there because that's why we have 11 different school districts. That's why this city should just have one big school district. But back in the day, they were like, we don't want the black students to come out here to these uh, completely white school districts. Like, we're not doing that. We'll, we'll combine the police department, all of that. But we aren't, yeah. we aren't doing the schools. So... That was racism. A judge agreed, and a judge said, fine, if you won't welcome them, I'm going to send them. So you were sent from your IPS district. You were forced to go to a uh, township school to integrate Decatur Township. So that's, yes. so that's why you went there. It has nothing to do with what went on today. That's a whole other topic that ended back in 2005, but that was called desegregation when the uh, township schools were not welcoming of black students and IPS was also only sending students to certain IPS schools. You were facing racism inside of IPS and outside of IPS. So a judge came in and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to force you to desegregate. That's what that was in short. Okay. I just have one more thing left to say, if I may. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds. I'm very glad Lee, that um, that has really changed that rest is when we got busted. Mm-hmm. Clan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they cross. They uh, set the, um, they crossed on fire with us. We was um, the sheriff had to bring us out there, and that was very ugly. And I'm so glad and proudly that that's not happening today with our children that's going out there today. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate you. Thank you. Have a blessed day. You as well. We're running out of time here on the show. If you want to know more about why Indianapolis has 11 different school districts, the short answer is racism, uh, and that's not a guess. That's literally what. A court ruling decided, just literally Google, there's an article, I believe it's on Chalkbeat. It has the breakdown of why Indianapolis has 11 different school districts. You know how we have one police department. See, everything in Marion County is one city, one county. And there were certain parts that said, we do not want to be part of what we now know as Unigov. That's why it's the city county council, the city county everything. The school said, nope, leave us out. We got white kids out here. We don't need the black kids coming out here. That's literally what it was all about. And a judge said, okay, cool. I'm going to force the kids to come out there. So if you live over in Brightwood, I'm sending you to Perry Township. If you live over Broadway, I'm sending you here. If you live over Hogville, I'm going to send you into Wayne Township. It was a whole thing. Google it. Why does Indianapolis have 11 different school districts for one city? Um, no other city really has this. We should, it, all the township schools were originally supposed to be folded into Indianapolis public schools. But as you can imagine, there was pushback about that. All right, three minutes left in the show. Let me go to caller on the line. Uh, I think it was three. Good morning. Who's this? You're live on the air. Uh, this is Jonathan. Jonathan, go for it. You got a minute. 
thank you. Um, first off, I got a child currently in IPS school, mm-hmm. and I got to commend all the teachers and all the after-school programs that is available right now to the youth. Uh, so I really personally don't have a problem with how things are being run right now. Mm-hmm. However, we do need more education as far as black history goes. Mm-hmm. That's my only concern and my only comment. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. 317-239-1009. Caller on line one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Barry. I'm a first-time caller, but a long-time listener. All right. Thank you so much for listening and calling in. What's on your mind? <laughs> I definitely a public of – I'm a product of public schools, and I totally believe in the public school system. I think children are our future. I think we're all on the same page here. We, we, we want the best for our children. Mm-hmm. There's someone from the community. I can't support what's going on in the state house, and I don't know that I would send my children to public school. So I think we need to pay attention, and we need to recognize our LGBTQ students and our transgender students especially and pay attention to what's going on in the state house. Always got to pay attention over there. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for the job you do, and thank you for keeping an open mic. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and calling. I appreciate you. All right, we got Thank you as well. We're going to wrap up here real quick. I got about two minutes left in the show. Uh, caller on line two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, hey, my friend. How's it going? A uh, very good show. Thank you. Uh, you said something. You said something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you blamed it on the voters. I kind of agree. Mm-hmm. But when the voters being deceived, absolutely, and we and we have ignorant voters, I really can't blame them. Mm-hmm. But the voters been tricked for a long time. We knew about Farabee. It goes back. All the people you name are guilty, and we keep on recycling the same people. It's sad. Education now is a Ponzi scam. So uh, I hope I communicated that real well. Uh, I got solutions, but I don't even want to say it on the phone because it's a waste of time because I think it might be too late for blacks in the inner city. Have a good one, my friend. All right. Thank you so much for, for the call. The phone lines are still ringing, so I guess uh, you still care. Um, that was the question that I asked. Do you care about what's happening in public schools? And the phones have been ringing, got emails coming in. Uh, apparently, you do care. And so I told you that I had invited um, Alicia Johnson to come on the show here this morning. I want to be clear. Alicia Johnson didn't blow me off or anything. I asked on Friday if she could come. She's got um, uh, plans with family this Sunday, so she couldn't make it this Sunday. But I've thrown it out there to, hey, let's set up a time to come in sometime in April before the May primary on uh, May 2nd, which will be the day that there is a referendum for the uh, capital improvement budget at IPS, but they are not doing their um, operating referendum. So with that, uh, we hope to have uh, Alicia Johnson come in uh, because I don't know how she feels. I, I can tell she's a bit frustrated when I when we see her on the news uh, because her plan uh, is hitting some roadblocks because she wants to do X for IPS and it's going to cost X dollars, but uh, there are groups of people who want some of that same money. So uh, I would love to know how she feels, what she wants to do. She's she's talked about it. She's very open. So uh, we're working on getting her to come on and we'll just chat with her for a little bit. So everything that I've told you today can be researched and I'm happy to share it with you um, with this debate. So real quick, as we go off the air, what's a traditional public school? That's your regular school. That's your public school. That's Ben Davis. That's Perry Meridian. That's North Central. That's Noblesville High School, Carmel High School, Warren Central. Those are traditional schools. What are charter schools? Uh, that's Phelan Academy. That's the Mind Trust schools. Those are also uh, schools that have an innovation network are just schools that are part IPS, part charter school. And a private school, which gets those vouchers, 
are those private schools like Ron Colley, Brebuff, Cathedral, Park Tudor. Those kinds of schools are private, and that's uh, what school choice is about. A lot of this is confusing. You're going to keep hearing more about it as the state budget tries to get passed, but I wanted to provide you some clarity, a little information. I wrote all this down. I made an entire glossary. If you want it, email me. I'll send it to you. There's also links of where I got the information from. It's all available. Coming up here on Hot 100.9, it's Brandon. He's back. Happy birthday, Brandon. And on WTLC, here comes the Hour of Power with Al Sharpton. Uh, we're back next Sunday uh, with the best of of the show. I'm going on vacation. Had a, have, haven't had a vacation since 2021, and I'm out this thing. I will see you tomorrow for a quick visit on Fox 59 and CBS 4, and we are back here at same time, same station next Sunday at 8.